Hey everybody, I'm Thomas Frank and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. And today we have a guest on the show, which actually should be unsurprising because we almost always have a guest on the show. So, uh, yeah, but this particular episode's guest is my friend Stefano Gandini, who runs collegetopia.co. And Collegetopia is another one of the best college blogs in the whole college blogosphere thingy, whatever you want to call it, um, out there. So I wanted to have him on the show because I'm running a college blog. Uh, he's running a college blog and he's still in college. He's currently a senior at the University of Southern California and he is doing some awesome stuff in his life. He uh, has won a bunch of scholarships. He was an intern at a big company last summer and they hired him full time. He was also selected uh, as the only intern out of 147 interns in that company and in the entire nation, actually, to go to a huge conference in Las Vegas. So on this episode, he's going to talk about how he does networking, how he studies better and also why he enjoys taking freezing cold showers. And spoiler alert, I also like to take freezing cold showers. So if you ask either of us whether or not you should do it, you're probably going to get the same answer. But uh, he's done a lot more research into the topic. So you'll get all that stuff in this episode. But first, if you want to have your questions answered on the show, we do a monthly reader Q&A episode on this podcast. You can just email those questions over to thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. We'll get those questions answered on the show, whether they're about studying or finding a career or an internship or just paying off your loans. Uh, also, we've got mo- or weekly videos coming out over at collegeinfogeek.com slash videos. That'll kick you over to the YouTube channel. Every Thursday, I'm releasing a video. I'm focusing on study tactics and habit formation and things of that nature right now. So if those interest you, then check out the videos. They're not an hour long like the podcast is. They're usually around five to seven minutes. So um, much less of your time is taken up, but you got to watch it. And I do my best to make them interesting to watch. So check that out and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to this podcast to get the episodes when they come out every single Monday. Um, And the link to subscribe to the show is in the show notes. So CIG podcast, sigpodcast.com is where you'll find that. Just click the episode 44 link with Stefano Gandini and you'll get the notes. You'll get links to anything we mentioned, any tools, resources, apps, what have you, and also that subscribe link. So that is all I got for this intro. Let's dive into this interview. All right, Stefano, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. So you are um, one of the few like current students that we've had on the show, which is pretty cool. And you've got this awesome site, Collegetopia, which is dot, is it dot co or dot com again? Dot co. That's right, dot co. Um, and you told me some awesome stories about how you were able to find internships through a different uh, medium than most people do. So I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of what you have to say about your own story. And I'd like you to start just with like what you are doing in college, like what your goals were as a freshman and how you've sort of progressed uh, through now. Sure. Um so basically, coming into college, uh, you know, I, I really just wanted to take advantage of everything that college has to offer. Um, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, I saw an opportunity for a fresh start because uh, in high school I was uh, very antisocial. Um, you know, I had a pretty bad attitude towards things. Uh, you know, I was very self-conscious about what other people thought about me. Um, you know, I did really well in school and stuff and I had a, I had a close group of friends that I'm still really good friends with today. Um, but overall, uh, I feel, I just felt like I didn't really enjoy it as much as I would have liked to. And so 
coming into college, I really wanted to change that and not have that happen again. Um, so freshman year was a very transformational period for me. Uh, I really just started putting myself out there, um, you know, getting out of my comfort zone as much as possible. And, you know, I started reading a lot of these blogs, uh, you know, Steve Pavlina's blog for smart people, uh, high existence Mm. is another one of my favorite ones. Um, the feel good, feel good lifestyle, uh, by Phil Drolette, Tim Ferriss's blogs, you know, all the blogs that are in that kind of self improvement, um, niche. Yeah. And, um, basically started to, uh, kind of just apply these things to my own life. And so over the last three years, I've kind of just been experimenting with these different things that I've been reading and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And, um, really trying to figure out, you know, what really differentiates people from, um, you know, successful people from everyone else. Interesting. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I still have a lot to learn, but I think I've, uh, you know, learned a lot in the last three years. And so I created a college topia to kind of share those things with other people. Sweet. Well, hey, man, it sounds like we have pretty similar stories. Actually, I, I came into college, not really with a, a mindset to really change myself, but you know, I came into college in 2009 and this was in the middle of the whole stock market crash and everything. Right. And everyone was just so scared. So, uh, I started, you know, looking at the same blogs that you've been reading. Like Steve Pavlino was one of the big ones I read, Tim Ferriss. And, uh, for me, the mindset was, you know, I want to be completely, um, indispensable in whatever uh-huh. company hires me. So I don't get laid yeah. off or whatever's happening to you know, the crazy stuff in the real world. And we, um, I think, you know, it, it went pretty similarly. I started College of Geek just to kind of share what I was doing uh, to be a better student. And uh, one thing that you mentioned and you talk about on Topia that I haven't written about before, so it interests me, is um, getting out of your comfort zone socially and finding more friends. I've had people ask me, like, how do you become more social and more gregarious and things like that? So uh, let's touch on that a bit. How did you get over the shyness and the, I guess, um, introversion that you had um it's you know it's definitely not something that happens overnight and it's you know still a work in progress for me honestly Mm. uh but i mean it's really just i think the biggest thing is creating a habit of just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and so constantly you know putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable And the more that you do that, um, you know, you get, you know, it's still going to be uncomfortable every time a little bit, but it becomes a little bit less uncomfortable. And so, uh, you know, as far as like talking to new people, you know, talking to strangers, a lot of people get a lot of anxiety when they're doing that. But the more you do it, you become less and less um, anxious when you're doing it. And so, um, you know, I think that the first step is just really pushing yourself to just start talking to people as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, whoever, you know, standing next to you in line or, you know, wherever you are, um, to try to just strike up a conversation with someone. And for me also, another big thing, uh, was kind of like that psychological barrier of kind of having like a bias against socially, uh, like very social people. Um, you know, I kind of, for me, it was kind of like, I didn't want to become like one of those people who, 
you know, sound fake and I didn't want to like change the way that I talked. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that a lot of people also struggle with is they, they kind of don't want to change because they don't want to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's kind of, uh, to kind of reframe the way you think of it. It's less about, you know, changing you're changing the way that you are and kind of just focusing more on other people instead of like thinking about, you know, how is this affecting me or how am I acting? You know, you want to focus on the other person and being interested in what they're actually saying and trying to connect with them in some way. And so I think that's kind of a big uh, mind shift or shift in your mindset that kind of changes uh, the way you look at things. Yeah. And I like what you said about um, not wanting to become that kind of person or like holding some sort of maybe some animosity towards people that are really social that you, you know, that's right. not really founded. I don't know about but, you, but like I was, a, I am still a huge geek and have always been a geek. And there's like this, this tendency to see super social people is just like, Oh, those are just bros. I don't want to be like right. them. You know, they just party every day. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get to know them and you realize not everyone is like that. A lot of people who are social are still super cool people and smart and uh, interested in the same things you might be, but they just like to talk to people and they're more extroverted. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's funny you mentioned like the whole thing about like bros. I actually uh, joined a fraternity my freshman year. And so that was something that I had like never thought I would do. It's not something I was planning on doing. Oh, really? Uh, and I and I I do consider myself like a huge nerd as well, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I'm actually like studying engineering, uh, industrial engineering to be specific. And um, but joining that fraternity um, kind of really had a huge impact on me uh, as far as you know, really pushing myself out of my comfort zone, and as well as getting more comfortable with you know different kinds of social social situations and things like that. And, um, you know, like you were saying, uh, you know, there really is a lot more to people than usually appears on the surface. Um, and the only way that you can ever really find that out is if you take the time to actually talk to them. So, um, yeah, definitely resonate with you on that. Definitely. Um, you know, it's, uh, interesting about the fraternity scene, like the Greek community, because nobody can both do their freshman year in as a Greek and not so like you get all these conflicting opinions about whether or not you should go greek and like there's you can't really have a person who knows both like in their formative first year of college yeah so it's you know it's kind of hard to say i know when i was a freshman i was like i don't want to be in a frat because i don't want to have to do like chores and mow the lawn and like <laughs> I, I remember i had to tour i toured one house and they were like yeah every saturday night one of the brothers has to stand at the top of the stairs here and like watch out for other drunk guys um so that kind of turned me off to it as a freshman and then when i was an orientation assistant i toured other fraternities and uh a lot of them were not like that so i know it's very yeah. different depending yeah, I mean, on the way you get into varies you know, school by school, fraternity by fraternity. Um, and there's, you know, definitely things that, uh, you know, there's, there's good things and bad things about everything. Um, but overall for me, I think I've gained a lot from it, but I, I mean, I don't like encourage people to, uh, join a fraternity or like believe that like you have to join a fraternity in order to get the most out of college. 
Um, but you know, it's just the way it kind of worked out for me. Yeah. And would you say that, um, joining the fraternity was like the first step you took to getting out and being more social? Um, it, no, it wasn't the first step I took. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually joined my fraternity the second semester of my freshman year. Oh, okay. So the first semester, you know, I wasn't in it. Um, and I, you know, I was joining like tons of clubs and different kinds of student organizations and things like that. Um, to kind of just put myself out there and figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was from day one, I was trying to, you know, just trying everything out really. Um, and then didn't decide to join a fraternity until the second semester. Okay. So what were some of the things that you did? You, you said you were joining clubs. Did you, uh, like do any of the like kickoff stuff during your first year, like the first few weeks? I know my school had tons of those, like, um, there was like a big game night and like a big rally for all the freshmen and stuff. And I made sure to go to all those and made some friends for myself. Did they have those things for you guys too. Yeah. Um, so I definitely freshman year, I probably went to like as many of those kinds of events as I possibly could. Um, and I still try to go to like as many kind of like campus or like, you know, student organization kind of events, anything like that. Um, I think those kinds of events are really uh, crucial to kind of putting yourself out there again, trying to figure out what you like, what you don't like, and also meeting people who have similar interests in as your own. Um, so, you know, I've met a lot of uh, a lot of my good friends from different kinds of uh, events and organizations and things that I've been to. Um, and so, you know, you definitely don't want to, lock yourself up in your dorm room and, you know, just sit on your computer all day. So, uh, you know, I definitely recommend getting out there as much as you can. Yeah. There was somebody who emailed me and they were like, I want to become friends with the kind of people who go out and do cool things and who like volunteer and, um, who are in like professional organizations and like, where would I find those people? And I'm like, (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> probably at professional organizations and volunteers things That's a good so, place to start <laughs> yeah it might be a good place to start to just yeah don't sit in your dorm room on your computer all day which i uh, i did plenty of but i also made sure to get out and do lots of things as well yeah, so. yeah i mean we all find ourselves <laughs> at our computers five hours later and realize that we've been there for way too long but hey man I mean, steam deals are a terrible curse okay <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so at what point did you start College Topia? Was it during the freshman year or a little later? Um so I actually started College Topia after my sophomore year. Um like so after so just, two full years? Yeah. Okay. So to backtrack a little bit, uh so after my freshman year, um, you know, I had started reading a lot of these blogs. And so when I went back home that summer after my freshman year, uh, I actually did start a blog with one of my friends from high school. Hmm. Um, and we didn't really, it didn't really have like a clear focus or like we didn't really put much time into like planning what we were going to be writing about. And we just kind of started posting like random things, um, just like about our experiences and like just really anything went <laughs> yeah. and uh we wrote like 10 posts that summer and then when school started again we stopped writing and 
kind of just never really talked about it again. And so it basically just like died. Hmm. Um, so that was like my first run with trying to start a blog and, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. And then my sophomore year, uh, you know, I kept reading these blogs and stuff. Um, and I was kind of, you know, still wanted to like keep a blog or something going. Um, and that it was actually, I think at the very end of my sophomore year that I came across college info geek. And when I read your story, I was actually very inspired and, um, you know, I started thinking about starting a, another blog again and giving it another try. Uh, so you actually played like a huge role in, in inspiring me to start college topia. Um, uh, so I owe you a huge thank you cause you know, I saw <laughs> your blog and, you know, like you said, I think we have a lot of things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you wrote about like how you started the blog, I think your freshman year in college and, and, uh, you know, we're able to do this while, you know, working and doing internships and doing well in classes and all this stuff. And so I was kind of really inspired and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it another try. And so I, I think it was like a few weeks after I, I found your blog, I, I, uh, created college topia. Nice. And so how long has it been going now? Like two years or one year? I can't so, yeah, I mean, it's been almost two years. It's been like a year and a half. Okay. Um, and so basically like when I started that summer, uh, I spent like all summer working on it. Didn't really tell anyone about it. Um, and it wasn't until like six months later that, uh, one of my articles like exploded on stumble upon, um, the Is article was called the how three to second approach. Rule? Yeah. How to approach anyone with the three second rule. And so oh, that damn, yeah, you got like 140,000 shares on that one. Yeah. So that one, <laughs> the first like hundred thousand views on that article were like within the first week. And so that happened like overnight basically. And, um, so after that I was like really focused on it. But then this last summer I kind of put the blog on the back burner cause I was, uh, interning at this, uh, global consulting firm and I was just putting all my time and effort into that. And mm-hmm. then, um, once that ended though, uh, at the beginning of this school year, I kind of revamped it. Um, just got like a new theme and layout for the website and everything. And so I'm writing new content again now. Yeah. So and that's cool. So, um, that was the first article I saw when I looked the homepage recently was this three second rule. And mm-hmm. I think that loops back around to, you know, the bit about being social and meeting new people. So what is the three second rule? So the three second rule is, um, you hear about it a lot in like, the pickup world, uh, which I haven't really delved into, but, uh, Mm. I think I, I don't remember where I saw it. I read it somewhere. And then once I started like researching it more, apparently like it's all over, like in the pickup world, um, how to to pick up girls. (laughs) But, uh, basically the idea, uh, uh, is very applicable just to any kind of social, social situation and being able to, um, you know, meet new people and kind of get out of your comfort zone. And so basically the three second rule states that if you see someone that you want to talk to, you don't wait any longer than three seconds before going up to them and, you know, introducing yourself and starting a conversation. Mm. Uh, because if you wait any longer than three seconds, you'll probably end up, you know, overthinking it and talking yourself out of it and not saying anything at all. So with that three second, um, time limit, you kind of force yourself to just go up and just say something. 
And the idea is that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you say once you kind of break the ice and say something, um, you know, the conversation will kind of just flow from there. Yeah, you're already on that path at that point. It's like no going back. I really, Sorry, what was that? I said you're already on the path at that point of like you're in the conversation. Yeah, you can't exactly. really go back from there. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, the really... hardest part. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I really like that rule. What was the hardest part you said? I mean, the hardest part is always just starting. And that's with anything, I think, not just, you know, starting a conversation, but, you know, doing a homework assignment or starting a big project. It's always that initial, that first step is always the hardest part. And then once you get started, it's usually not as hard as you thought it would be. Yeah. Have you read the game at all? The game? No, I yeah, haven't. Neil Strauss. So that's like the only exposure I've ever had to like the pickup community or whatever. Like Neil Strauss, this uh, New York Times reporter, went like pseudo undercover and lived with a bunch of pickup artists for a bunch of like, <laughs> a long time. And like a lot, of, a lot of the stuff they do is really douchey. But I think I remember him talking about like that being one of the central tenets of what they teach people is like you just got to go up and talk to them. Like you don't even hesitate. Uh, and that. For me, it ties into something I learned recently about the coach of first the Buccaneers and then the uh, the Colts. And for anybody listening to this, this does not mean that I know anything about football because I know nothing. But uh, this was in a book I was reading. He was teaching his players to basically get every single drill and play down to a habit that was automatic because mm-hmm. he noticed that when they would fail on the field is when they would start thinking and like overthinking their decisions. And they if they didn't do this and they stuck to their habits, they would be a lot more successful because it was like automatic. And uh, I think approaching people is very similar where you don't, if you don't think and you don't give yourself time to overthink uh, whether or not they're going to reject you or whatever, you just go up there and do it. More often than not, the result is positive, I think, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I think we always kind of psych ourselves out and think of like all these terrible things that could happen. But usually more often than not, you know, people are more than happy to talk to you. Yeah. And, um, Actually, now that I think about it, the reason I'm with my girlfriend right now is because I kind of did that. Yeah. <laughs> just at awesome. like this nerdy party, and I was like, I'm just going to go talk to that girl, whatever, man. And two years later. <laughs> yeah, you never know what can happen. Um, you know, maybe nothing will happen of it. Maybe you'll get a girlfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, are there any specific instances where the three-second rule has really benefited you? Um... You know, now I'm thinking because <laughs> I have a girlfriend right now, too. And I'm trying to think if how our first uh, interaction happened. I don't, I don't even remember how it went, but went about. But uh, I mean, I actually part of that post um, about the three second rule. Uh, I talk about how I had done like a 30 day challenge. I'm like a big fan of just doing 30 day challenges. Okay. Uh, and so this 30 day challenge was to talk to someone new every day and um, I actually failed. <laughs> I didn't talk to someone new every day. Okay. Uh, I think I talked to someone new for like 17 or 18 days or something like that out of the 30. Hey, that's but, pretty good. Uh, in those 18 days, um, I probably met like more people than I had met like that entire school year just cause like I was making an effort, a conscious effort to go out and just talk to people. And so I met tons of people, um, that month and, um, I'm still in touch with some of those people now. That's awesome, dude. And like, don't feel bad that you didn't uh, complete the challenge. I was reading some quotes by Cicero the other day. And I think one of them was like, um, somebody who aspires for something great should not feel bad 
if they fall, you know, a little bit short. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Like you probably wouldn't have gone and met 17 or 18 new people if you didn't try for 30. So you know, it's a net positive result yeah. in the end. And you talked about that you did a a 30 day cold shower challenge in there too, I think. Yeah. Did you actually um, get so all 30 for that one? What was that? Did you actually get all 30 for that one? Yes, I did that one. Um, I actually, now I actually take cold showers almost every single day. Um, I very rarely take hot showers. Uh, but yeah, that started out as a 30 day challenge. Uh, um, and that's also another one of my like most popular posts on college topia. Um, basically the idea with that again, goes back to kind of, uh, forcing yourself to get comfortable with uncomfortable situations. And so, you know, by willingly putting yourself into, you know, this very uncomfortable, you know, freezing cold water every single day, um, you kind of develop this, uh, this, um, this attitude to kind of just put yourself in, in, uh, any kind of situation that, you know, might seem, you know, scary or might seem difficult or might seem, um, uncomfortable, um, and just go for it. And so, you know, it started out as a 30 day challenge and it was just, I just felt amazing after I finished it. Um, you know, that first cold shower was freezing. Like I I literally (laughs) thought I was going to die. I was like, panting and out of breath my heart was like pounding i thought i was gonna die of hypothermia but after you know after i finished that shower it was very very uh rewarding experience for me and so i I did it for the rest of the 30 days and after those 30 days i just felt like a completely new person and um so now i basically take cold showers almost every single day uh you know every now and then i'll take a hot shower but i try to avoid hot showers also because apparently hot showers are also, um, have some pretty bad, uh, health risks, uh, hmm. cause of the heat from the water, uh, like the chlorine in the water, when the water's heated, uh, becomes volatile. And so it releases these, uh, chemical toxins that are very unhealthy for you. Interesting. Uh, so I'm actually working on a new post right now, kind of like an updated post on cold showers. And it's kind of going to be like, my ultimate post about cold showers and I'm doing all this research on it right now. It's really interesting because when you think about it, you know, for 99% of human history, people didn't have hot water, you know, the heating systems weren't created. The very first ones were created in like first century BC, but like modern heating systems weren't created until the 18th century. And so up until that point, you know, people showered in lakes and rivers and oceans and stuff which was all, you know, very cold water. And so mm-hmm. from an evolutionary standpoint, hot water is a very new and unnatural phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're recording this in November. Um, but by the time this goes out, last week's episode was with Joel Runyon, who is like the cold shower dude, apparently. And we talked all about like this, um, this commitment to just getting uncomfortable once a day, which I think this is like the main reason that you did it. Uh, but I actually take cold showers every day too. I do it for a couple of different reasons though. So for one, I'm impatient. I don't want to wait for my water to warm up But two, <laughs> And maybe you feel the same way. Like when you get done with a cold shower, at least for me, I feel amazing. Yeah. Like the, like my skin being super cold. I just love it. I love the feeling. 
So like being in the shower sucks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but when I get done, it's just like, oh man, it's just yeah, like the you, most refreshed feeling. It's incredible how good you feel after. I actually I took a cold shower right before we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to take one afterwards. This room gets really hot when I record for whatever reason. Yeah. We we got the the heat off. Um, going back to that like feeling uncomfortable thing. There's a blog I read called Mr. Money Mustache. And he was, he's all about like frugality and saving money so you can retire early. So I think one of his posts was talking about like how people don't really need to have their heat up so much and you can just tough out being a little bit chilly. So I'm kind of trying to apply that a little bit Yeah. because also I was reading, yeah, I was reading some things about like, apparently, you know, the definition of comfortable for us in America is not necessarily the same as the definition of comfortable for other people. And in like Asian countries, apparently they're they're more comfortable feeling a little bit chilly. So I was like, hmm, well, if they can feel like that and be totally at home and comfortable, then why can't I? Because I don't want to pay $250 heating bills again this winter. Yeah. So, yeah, you're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, Los Angeles. So you're probably never going to have to deal with the $250 heating bill. <laughs> uh, Nope. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, like you were talking about, like, uh, you know, different cultures having like different comfort, uh, like levels, you know, it's, it's really like a muscle, like being able to build, uh, you know, as you push yourself to different levels of discomfort, you kind of build this like muscle for, um, for being able to handle more extreme levels of discomfort. And I think even like with cold showers after like I did that 30 day cold shower challenge, um, you know, now it's like, now that I've been doing it for so long, your skin like develops, uh, a resistance to that coldness. And so, and actually I have noticed like it feels significantly less cold now than it used to. Um, and so that's also part of the reason why every now and then I will, uh, you know, take like hot showers or warmer showers. Cause then when I go back to taking cold showers, that initial shock feels like back to like the first time I ever took a cold shower because mm. um, you kind of build that uh, tolerance level. So uh, when when we were kids, actually, I kind of still do this sometimes, but definitely when we were kids and we'd stayed in hotels, we'd like chill in the hot tub for 30 minutes and then go jump in the pool. You ever done that? <laughs> yeah, I've done that. It's fun. <laughs> I freaking love doing that. And people are always like, oh my God, I couldn't do that. But uh, the one thing I haven't done is a polar plunge and I want to do that sometime. Is that like the like frozen lake plunge or something? Yep. Yeah, you go like fro. Yeah, I guess they like maybe they break up the ice or do it like once the ice is melted, but the lake is still super cold. You like do a swim across it. Um, they do it here at Iowa State, and I never got into oh, it. Really? Yeah, because there's a there's like a they call it Lake Laverne. It's definitely just a pond, but um, <laughs> they do a polar plunge there every year. And every year I've been busy during it, but maybe I can find some time to do it. <laughs> got to make that a priority. <laughs> yes. But so I like what you said about like building this tolerance to being uncomfortable. Uh, I'm sure that approaching new people for like trying to meet someone new every day probably built that tolerance as well. And uh, for me, that was a big thing because I would go to like conferences or, you know, networking events or like career fairs even. And at first it was like so freaking scary to go talk to somebody, even if they were a recruiter standing there looking bored, like. I don't know. It just it's it's so hard to go up and talk to somebody, uh, especially when you are faced with the prospect of like pitching yourself as a potential employee. But it's not 
that hard now. And I think with practice, like it just becomes easy, just like taking a cold shower. Um, and I'm guessing that's probably the same for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still always a little bit difficult. Like that feeling like is never going to completely go away, I think. Um, but it, it definitely becomes a lot easier the more you do it. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned this conference you went to that eventually led to an internship, right? Um, so it's kind of the other way around. So I had an internship. Oh, okay. And I was invited to attend uh, these conferences in Las Vegas um, as an intern. And so I was the only intern out of 147 interns in the nation that was selected to attend. Now, that's pretty cool. So so you're doing pretty well as an intern right now, or we're doing pretty well as an intern. Um, and it was with a, you said it was with a consulting firm, right? Yeah. yeah. So pretty prestigious program. Yeah. So it was a really great program. Um, so this was last summer, uh, summer 2014. Um, you know, I was working at this global consulting firm and it was a really, really great program. You know, I was, I learned a ton. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to, uh, attend those conferences in, in Vegas um, and overall, you know, I just had a really fun, great experience. Cool. So uh, let's wheel back a little bit. Uh, what was your process for getting this internship? What did you do to land it? Um, so, I mean, I it was pretty standard uh, as far as my, like, application process. I just applied through my university's, like, career center website. Okay. Um, got an interview. So my first interview was on campus. And then there was a second interview at the company's office uh, downtown in downtown Los Angeles. And that was like a full like 8 to 8 a.m. to like 2 p.m. full day interview kind of thing. They like take you out to lunch and everything. Hmm. Uh, um, and then I got the offer. Nice. So you didn't really do anything special like uh, did you do any like practice interviews or get your um, resume yeah, like I mean, reviewed that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like went to like a few mock interviews and, you know, I spent a lot of time preparing for my interviews. Um, I've written a few posts on like interviewing tips. I have like a, a three part series on like preparing for the interview, like wh- what to do during the interview and the follow up of an okay. interview. And so those are all very, very uh, important aspects of, of any application process, I think. Um, and I've gone through a good number of interviews Um before this point, because I've had a few different jobs and internships already. So um, I was pretty comfortable and confident going into these interviews. Sweet. Yeah, for me, I know the the big thing for interviews was uh, doing practice interviews where they would just have them available to sign up for at the Career Center. And there's like there's just no pressure when you go to those ones. So um, yeah. it was, it was I really pivotal in like, kind of shifting my understanding of an interview from like a test, like an exam almost mm-hmm. to viewing it as just a conversation between two people who want to help each other out. Even if the one person represents a giant organization, like that's still kind of what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, I think that's a key part is to kind of, you know, making that, uh, shift in the way that you view it as like a conversation i think that's really important but at the same time i think another important part is is uh understanding how to talk about yourself and how to uh you know you are still 
trying to sell yourself to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the stuff that I've written about in those posts uh, about interviewing is like how you kind of talk about yourself and your skills and your experiences and, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, relevant work experience. And a lot of the times, you know, you might think that your past work experiences or your past, uh, you know, involvements on campus or things like that might not be relevant, but usually you can kind of put a little bit of a spin on it or tweak it a little bit to kind of um, talk about how, you know, maybe the skills that you learn from that are applicable to this different kind of job that you're applying for, even if they're very different things. It's, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the skills still carry over. Yeah, yeah. Like if you were in uh, like student government or something, you know, you weren't consulting on ad designs for for General Mills or something, but you were communicating and probably writing emails to people and directing people and skills that, like you said, they transfer over to any number of different specific jobs or projects. Exactly. So you said you were the only intern to go to these conferences in Las Vegas, which means that you probably were impressing your bosses. So what were you doing to stand out as an intern once you actually got the job started? Um, so, I mean, I, there's probably a, a number of different things I'd say. Um, one of the biggest things probably for me was that, uh, I developed a very good relationship with my peer advisor. So we, through this internship program, we were assigned multiple advisors. So it was like a formal mentor program. Yeah. Um, so I have like a peer advisor, a career advisor and an executive advisor. And so they're all at different levels. The peer advisor was like a recent hire executive advisor was higher up and the executive advisor, uh, was a managing director, which is like the highest level you can be within the company. And so my peer advisor, um, was a really smart guy and he, he gave me a lot of really, uh, helpful advice and just helped me a lot throughout my internship. And so I developed a, a very good relationship with him, uh, throughout the internship. And he also happened to be working, uh, on a project in Vegas at the time. Um, so I think that played a, a big role in it. Also, I mean, throughout the internship, I was just constantly trying to meet as many people as I could within the company and, you know, make a good impression with everyone that I met. Uh, uh, you know, I asked a lot of questions um, and just try to learn as much as I possibly could uh, from from every project that I was on. Um, you know, it was, it was a combination of all of these things, I think. Um, and then also, you know, I had expressed interest. So these conferences were focused specifically on IT security. And so that's like a specific uh, solution that the company um, offers. And it wasn't the solution that I was actually in. So I was technically in their internal audit and financial advisory program. Um, But I had expressed interest uh, to the HR manager about uh, wanting to kind of break into that practice. And so I think it was a combination of, you know, me expressing interest and reaching out to people and, you know, developing a good relationship with my advisors that, um, you know, they decided to extend an invitation to me. Cool. So is uh, IT security still something you're interested in after going to the conferences? Yeah. So I actually, uh, at the end of the internship, I got a full-time offer. So I accepted that offer. Um, nice. Congrats, so dude. I- Thank you. So after I graduate, I'll be working there um, full time. 
Um, and those conferences definitely had a huge impact on, on my, uh, interest in that field. Um, I think it's like a huge industry right now that's really growing really fast, uh, all over the world. So I'm like very interested in, in IT systems and how they, you know, incorporate into systems and really they surround every part of a business. So, um, that's what I'll be doing after I graduate. That's really cool. So you, you actually started out in your internship in something that was not really IT related. And then from expressing interest and making relationships and going to this conference, now you got a full-time job in the, in the, like the exact department that you wanted. Um, so it, I was in an IT position. It was just hmm. in a different practice. So because it's a consulting firm, they offer a bunch of different practices. Okay. And so as an intern, I was in the internal audit practice, um, but on the IT side. And they have a separate IT security practice that is a little bit, bit more specialized. Um, okay. So usually like the way it works is they'll start people off in the internal audit practice just to kind of uh, learn like the basic is because it's a little bit more straightforward. And so you're kind of learning like the methodology and the terminology and things like that. And then you can kind of branch out and specialize into something else. And so I'll be uh, specializing hopefully into the uh, IT security practice once I start. Cool. So do you know what specifically you'll be doing in security? Like uh, like pen testing or just like evaluating? Yeah, so they do some pen testing and um, they do a lot of uh, compliance stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard, there's like socks and like all this other stuff that's yeah. not as exciting. But uh, <laughs> they do like pen testing and change management and um, just general security of, of systems, which honestly, like I, I feel like I know nothing about like i have so much to learn but um this summer i mean i learned a ton and and uh they're like very very uh helpful with me and and like willing to teach me everything i need to know on the job so i'm really looking forward to it awesome yeah that was kind of the same uh feeling that i got when i started my internship you know, I was like, oh, I'm so interested in IT. I know things because I work in the computer support center. And then I get there and do absolutely nothing <laughs> about anything. Um, but it was weird to me because, like, I had expressed interest in computer networking. Uh-huh. And they hired me for that. And I was like, oh, well, um, apparently I must know uh, what they're going to, you know, have me do. I must know at least some of that. Nope. Not a clue. But um, like you said, you know, my coworkers were super, super supportive. They taught me everything I needed to know. Within like four weeks, I knew basically whatever I needed to know to do my job. Um, but it's interesting that you come in and like the company's willing to hire you, even if you don't know anything about what you're going to be doing. Uh, yeah. They just want to see like the commitment to learning and that you're like on the right path. Right. Again, yeah, I think it just comes down to like certain qualities and characteristics that they're looking for versus like your actual knowledge. Because you can always gain more knowledge. You can always learn things. But if you don't have the qualities that it takes to learn those things and to, you know, succeed, then, you know, it, it's meaningless if, if you have the knowledge. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, and you're graduating after this year, right? Yep. I'm graduating in May of 2015. Nice. So, um, is your, is your class load still pretty, pretty tough now or is it less so now that you're a senior? Um, it's significantly less now. I kind of, uh, had like a front like I purposely made my first few years like 
try to take as many classes as I could so that mm. my senior year would be less demanding. Um, but I keep myself busy with a lot of other things. I'm also like the president of a student organization. Um, and I was a campus ambassador for the company, uh, that I accepted the full-time offer at. So I was attending like recruiting events for them doing that. Um, and then, you know, I'm running college topia as well. So keep myself busy. Yeah. And how much, uh, how much effort are you putting into college topia right now? Like how many hours a week? How many hours a week? Um, I'd say probably, I mean, it depends week by week. Like I just finished midterms right now Mm. and it was like, I had no time. So on average, I would say it's probably between like 10 to 20 hours right now. I'm like really trying to like within the last month, I've been like really working on kind of, uh, trying to refocus, uh, you know, like the mission of the site and trying to kind of define my audience a little bit better and things like that. So hopefully in the next few months, uh, I'll be making some like big moves and I have a lot of, uh, posts that I'm like are on queue right now. So I'll be posting a lot of new content in the next few weeks. Cool. So what's, what are your ideas right now on how you're going to focus like more in detail on your audience? Um, so like, what are, what is like my strategy for doing that or, or what exactly? So like, what are you, what are you starting to focus in on? Cause like, I'll give you an example. Like for me, when I started, it was just, I wanted to be hack college and maybe right. have more of a tech focus. I didn't really know exactly what I was doing. <clears throat> and it took me probably three years to eventually come down to the three focuses that I have on, on college info geek. So, mm-hmm. and I guess I was through a lot of reading and um, just writing a lot of posts and getting emails from students. So mm-hmm. like, what are those, <coughs> excuse me, what are the specific areas that you're looking to focus in on with your site? So I guess my three areas are like improving your social skills, mm. um, you know, by gaining more confidence in yourself and getting out of your comfort zone and things like that. Uh, getting better grades. So I, I talk about productivity and study habits and things like that as well, which you, you know, I think that's like a big focus on College Info Geek. Um, and then also, you know, how to, you know, land a good job after you graduate and, you know, actually make some money. So that's where like the interview posts come in and things like that. Um, but also I think my transition, so kind of before when I created college topia, like the name itself I thought of it because it was supposed to be like, oh, college topia is like your ideal college experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a really lame play on words. Uh, but uh, now it's kind of like I'm trying to focus more on the idea that what really I think what, what it really comes down to um, as far as what differentiates really successful people from the rest of the world is that, you know, not, it's not that everything is perfect for them or that they have a perfect life and, you know, things, they're just super lucky or anything like that. But, you know, things don't always go our way and, you know, there's, they face the same problems as everyone else. The only difference really is how they deal with their problems. And so I think, um, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on is kind of the, the way that you view things, your attitude, um, kind of just the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to you in your life. 
the only thing that's really going to determine whether you do well or you don't do well is how you react to what happens to you. Yeah, I really like that. It's all about how you, you know, deal with stress and deal with things that come out to you and, and decide how to react to them. So are you planning on keeping this running even though you're going to be working full time? Yeah, so <laughs> um yeah, I'm I'm reaching that point where I'm like reaching that crossroad. Um I think I will, you know, for now like that's what I'm planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I really enjoy working on the site and writing the content. Um and it's also like a big part of it is a big part of the reason why I started it is also just to like keep myself accountable. So, you know, Mm -hmm. while I'm writing all these things on like how to be successful, um, you know, it kind of like reinforces it for myself and, you know, I can look back at them and kind of remind myself that I need to do these things that I'm actually writing about. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a personal thing as well. Um, but you know, the fact that, you know, at this point now I'm, people are actually reading it and like, you know, I, I realize that people are benefiting from it. Um, you know, that's also very motivating. So for now I, I do plan on, on writing, on, um, continuing to write after I graduate. Um, I might, you know, make a shift in, uh, the focus because obviously I won't be in college anymore, but I mean, right. Even right now, I feel like it's not solely for college students. Um, you know, again, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter like what's like what college you're at or even if you're not in college no matter where you are you know it's kind of up to you to make the most of it and so that's kind of very applicable i think to anyone so yeah i don't know we'll see (laughs) yeah i think that you and i have uh, a similar writing style where we don't just focus on college specific things like we both have college in the domain name but like if you look at the last 20 articles on your site last 20 on my site like most of them could be on a site that didn't have college in the domain name and could apply to somebody not, you know, who's not a student. Yeah, so, exactly. And so, I mean, yeah, it's like, it makes sense that you would want to shift it and make sure that you can be helping people that are in all different situations. Um, I'm actually like trying to shift my focus this semester, at least to grades, because for a lot of my time in college, I never really wrote specifically about how to get good grades, even though I was writing for students. So uh-huh. I want to have some of that on the site, but um, a lot of what I write and will continue to write will be applicable to almost anyone. And I think you're doing a good thing um, with your site. You know, a very similar thing. Thank so you. my last question, uh, because you have you have an impossible list on your site, which I do. Freaking love the impossible list concept. So what are the uh, the goals that you're f- currently focusing on on your list? And is is yours still like really up to date? Um, kind of, uh, so I kind of recently looked it over, like when I was revamping it, okay. uh, the, the entire blog, um, I haven't added anything in a while, but, uh, I actually did just cross one thing off this weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a small one, but it's, it was on there. Um, I finally did the Hollywood sign hike this weekend. Um, which is oh, not nice. like a very difficult hike or anything, but it was just one of those things that like I had to do. And so, you know, after three years of, you know, living in Los Angeles, uh, you know, I finally got around to doing it. That's awesome. So there's one little tweak that I made to my impossible list recently. That's been like the best thing I ever thought to do. And, uh, 
I put a little list at the top called like last five completed goals. Because uh-huh. I mean, my my list is pretty big, and I look at it, and I can't really tell like what's been completed last, and it doesn't really show me that I'm making current progress right now. So by putting that up there, I can go, oh look, the last thing I did was you know a month ago, or or hopefully not, but I could come down three months from down the road if I get lazy and say, oh man, I haven't done anything on my list since like October of last year. Holy crap, I need to get back into action. So. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm doing just, with it. I'm looking at that right now. That's really cool. I like that idea because it kind of keeps you in check because it's easy to forget about it and just kind of, uh, you know, just becomes a bucket list, which is, you know, exactly what the impossible list is not supposed to be. It's supposed to be something <laughs> that you're constantly, you know, uh, actively working towards. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, hey, man, I'll be keeping an eye on yours as well because I like to get inspiration from other people's impossible lists and just see how they're progressing. So, um, are you reading any books right now? Um, I actually have a huge list of books that I want to, um, buy from Amazon. Uh, and I actually, uh, just, uh, came across this video from a guy named Ty Lopez. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, I'm not sure. Have you heard of him? I don't think so. Okay, so his name is Ty Lopez. His website's like tylopez.com. Um, really cool site. Just came across it like a few weeks ago. And he has a, a video that's called uh, How to Read a Book in like 10 Minutes or something like that. Okay. And basically his idea is that like his, his like big thing is that like he's read like thousands of books. Mm. And his idea is that like you know, books contain so much knowledge and wisdom from like the smartest people in the world. And by reading them, you know, you get all that knowledge. And so basically he just like tries to read as much as possible. And so after watching that video, I got like super inspired to like read more. And so I have this huge list of books that I want to read now. Um, but, uh, to answer your question, the last book that I, I read, uh, was called meditations and that was actually over summer. I haven't read anything since school started. Oh, is that Uh, Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, by Marcus Aurelius. I think nice. I, I mentioned it to you on Twitter when you, you tweeted something about Stoicism, I think. Yeah, uh, I need to read it still. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's kind of dry. Uh, I mean, it's like written in like the ancient times. like. <laughs> but uh, the ideas are really, really great. And um, Stoicism itself is a really uh, awesome philosophy if you haven't read up on it. And uh, so that was the last book I read. Um like I said, I have a huge list of books that I'm hoping to get to. And, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out, uh, Ty Lopez. I think you'd, you'd like his stuff a lot. Yeah, I'll check it out. Dude, if you have 15 minutes a day, um, we've got a, well, I guess the challenge will be over by the time this episode goes live, but we have a guild and habit RPG and I'm doing a 15 minute a day reading challenge. I think we have like five or six people in it right now, which is pretty cool. So but it's, how does that work? Um, if you're in the guild, you can just join the challenge and then it puts a daily on your dailies list. So I just made a daily of read for 15 minutes. Oh, and okay. then so, whoever, like, I think I, who, among everyone who does it every day, I'm going to pick a random winner. But I'll do more challenges like this going forward. Um, but it's keeping me accountable to read every day. And I've been reading The Power of Habit recently. Okay. And that book is fantastic. Like, put that one on your list, too. Okay. Um, but yeah. I got it. So basically the idea though for the, uh, the challenge is just 15 minutes of reading every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I usually read more. I try to, what I'm trying to do with this book is I'm trying to read a chapter and then write 
uh, bulleted summary. Because I think you learn more if you can try to summarize what you read. And like, mm-hmm. um, I guess my philosophy is like teach what you learn and you will learn it better. Definitely. So I'm just like forcing myself to write a summary of every chapter I read, which mm-hmm. is tough. But since I have this challenge on the list and I know other people are doing it, I'm going to keep doing it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the tough part with reading is like, you know, you're always like, oh, I don't have enough time and it takes too long to read a book. So that's why uh, Ty Lopez, his idea is that like, you know, his video on how to read a book in 10 minutes. Basically, um, I'll just give you a real quick summary on what it says. Uh, basically, he, he, he basically like skims the book mm-hmm. three times. So the first time is just like a super quick skim. Like you read like the cover and the back cover and maybe like the first, uh, like the table of contents and just to kind of like get an idea of what the book's about. And then the second time is like a little bit more in depth. Um, you'd kind of skim through the chapters, maybe read like the first page of each chapter or something like that. And then the, while you're doing that through your second skim, you like note chapters or pages that you would want to go into more depth and actually read like word for word Mm. the third time around. So then the third time around, you just go to those specific pages that you marked and maybe read like one or two or three pages of those passages that you marked. Um, and basically once you've done this, the idea is like you've got, the main idea of the book um and you've essentially like downloaded this book into your brain and it's kind of like in your library so that you know you might not get that much out of it from that first time reading it but if later you know a month later and you you come across something that reminds you of that book or like you need something from that book you you remember that you have that book and you go back to it and kind of remind yourself of the things that the book talks about and so it's kind of an interesting concept um probably not and uh something you would do for every book but i think for certain books where you're kind of just trying to get like the main idea it's a really great uh, concept yeah that's interesting i'll have to check it out um speed reading has been something that's interesting to me and you know i've been reading more about it and i think like for certain things that you want to get like just the gist of it can work really well but if you really want to learn something in depth then you have to kind of dig yeah. into it and be a lot more deliberate and yeah do your notations and marking and and summarizing and all that kind of stuff but i'll definitely look up that video and probably link to it in the show notes because uh it would be useful for certain things uh, especially books that you just want to kind of zoom through yeah not your text yeah i'll definitely uh <laughs> check out that guild thing is that on your website um yeah so let's see here if you go to if you if you're in habit rpg then like you can search for the guild college info geeks but i can send you a link personally to it and i'll make sure to link to it in the show notes of this episode as well um i made a habit rpg video and i think i linked to it on there but i should link to it elsewhere as well sounds good awesome well hey man this episode has been awesome uh Thanks for all the insights, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing in the future with College Topia and uh, your Impossibleist as well. Thanks a lot, Thomas. Yeah, this was fun. Let's uh, talk again soon. For sure. So if people want to connect with you, uh, where should they go? Um, so collegetopia.co is where I write um, about you know how to differentiate yourself from everyone else, and you can follow me on Twitter. Um my personal Twitter is at Stefano Gandini, but I also have a Twitter for College Topia, which is just at College Topia. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. 
Hope you enjoyed this interview with Stefano. Once again, if you've got questions about college, email them over to thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. We'll get those answered on the monthly Reader Q&A episodes. And if you want to find the best resources for making your college life easier and more efficient and find tools that I use and recommend, then go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. That's my resources page. I put up all my favorite stuff on there. And there's also a link to the essential reading list for students. So if you want to find my recommendations for books you should read that can make your college life better, then head over there and check out that list as well. It's linked right off of the resources page in the sidebar. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that over at the show notes, sigpodcast.com, episode 44. And you can also leave a review on iTunes if you want to be a really cool person and uh, earn my everlasting appreciation. You can do that. And there are instructions on how to do that linked up in the show notes. So that's it. Next week is going to be another reader Q&A episode. So don't miss that. And until then, stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com. 